understand. We like the couch. Yeah, so do I. This is from my furniture for White Trash Line, the drunken hillbilly collection. My one attempt at uh, commercialism. God, I hate America. Not the country, the rock group. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children Podcast. My name's Tyler, and you better stay away from me while I'm filleting ferrets. Who do I have with me in the nudie bar right now? Count your lucky stars. Steven Scott is in the house, and I ain't gonna eat any squirrels. <laughs> you bet. You oh, you better. You're not, you're gonna go to bed hungry tonight. Oh man. Anyway, this is season eight, episode fourteen. We're gonna be looking at sofa. So good. The actual air date of this particular episode was January sixteenth, nineteen ninety four. Exactly the first episode of 1994, and we get the honor of talking about it, Stephen. I'm really happy about this. All right, guys, I am so happy you're back here. I hope you're all sitting on something comfy, you know, a nice comfy chair, maybe a stool, or better yet, a couch. <laughs> I need a new couch. Me too. I need, that's, that's all I was thinking. Like, all those couches at the end of this episode in that guy's house, I'm like, I want that one. Ooh, or that one. Or that one. <laughs> I don't know. It's two ladies for me. I just need a new couch. The springs are shot. The cushions are... It's 10 years old. Sunday, is Kelly Bundy turning into a bookworm? But, Kel, you can't read. Yeah, well, you can't score, but you still have a bed. <laughs> Married with Children, Sunday at 9 on Fox 36. So how about, before we get into it, let's talk about our first experiences with this episode. Because I've been noticing, like this, none of these is our first time watching, but I've been noticing going back through these episodes, when I play them for the podcast, I'm like, wow, I don't remember these. You've been having that feeling too, Steve? I have been having that feeling, and um, I know this is kind of a spoiler a little bit, but I think... Um, Despite some good shining moments, I think season eight is their weakest season. Mm, yeah, I kind of see what you're talking about with there. Mm. At that time, you know, 1994, I wasn't watching Married with Children as regularly as I was earlier. Uh, you know, it was in syndication, number one. Number two, there are a lot of things going on my, in my life. I had been married for about two years, and uh, I was working as a chaplain. And uh, we were about to ready to come, move back to Oklahoma in about another year. And then I was pastoring. So, you know, it's kind of like that's, you know, when I didn't wasn't able to uh, watch them. Aside from that, my uh, wife didn't like the show. <laughs> but in any case, it's just one of those that I really didn't watch. I don't think until TBS was running him about, what was that, 12, 15 years ago, I think. Around that time, and actually, your experience, Stephen, mirrors that of a lot of Americans at the time. Uh, the episodes were not doing as high as previous seasons, and that's 
that's that, that's understandable with a show that enters into its eighth season. That's when uh, people really start to get tired of a show. Most shows mm-hmm. of that era only lasted about a good successful show lasted six or seven seasons. And think about it. The 90s were blazing. The idea of the three station only like what two or three television shows to watch was coming to a close. People were getting satellite. People were getting cable. They were finding all the good programs out there. And then after '96, with the uh, when they deregulated, when the deregulation of the cable company, fi- cable companies finally had all those extra new uh, channels started to come out. Oh, absolutely. And there are a lot better podcasts out there that go way into the history of that. But for our listeners who maybe are a little younger and don't know, um, be prior to 96, that Stephen just said, there were only three stations, pretty much. Like, there were three networks. Or four, really. Air. Well, four, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the fourth one here. But it really... You, you, there was, if you had one show that was on and it clashed with another show on a different channel, you either watched one or the other. Very few houses had their own, uh, setups and VCRs and everything at that time. It was still kind of new age and getting into it. It would explode later into the 90s and into the early aughts with recordings and uploads and sh- file sharing and, no one predicted where it was going, but Marywood Children entered its life in that time where, you know, there wasn't a lot of content out there, and it ended its time when there was so much to be had. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see how things have changed in regards, because also, at that time, if you put some on VCR, it, you know, a videotape, you know, like, and market it and sell it, yeah, movies were big, and uh, you could always buy, you know, Star Wars or um uh Jurassic Park or something like that on videotape but they didn't sell television series on videotape mm-hmm. it no, wasn't no. Right. and you were and you were at the mercy of the airings of the episodes so if you didn't know like what was going on in in a show and you turned it on like oh I see I've never really watched Frasier, for example, and then you turn it on, there was no little guide button to tell you what episode you were watching unless you owned a TV guide subscription. And even then, sometimes they didn't tell you. It did not say season four, episode 15. It would just give you the title of the episode. And unless you knew the show very well, you were just plopped in. We're watching this in chronological order, but it's not how it aired in reruns. And at this time, episodes were airing on reruns at this time. Do you want to watch the new kind of frumpy season eight, or would you rather wait till later that night when they air Have You Driven a Ford Lately, one of my favorite episodes? I probably would have waited for that one. Yeah. Let's get on with this episode. We need to talk about this episode. Hello, Naomi. Count your lucky stars, babe. Bud Bundy's in the house. Yeah. Bud Bundy? <laughs> we met at the frat party last weekend. I was the one who found your underwear. <laughs> On the ceiling, right. Say, so listen, uh, it seems I have a last-minute cancellation in my social calendar any night of the week. And, uh, well, I was wondering if you'd like... 
You would? This Saturday night? Okay, Al, I'm ready. Uh, listen, Naomi, I'm gonna call you right back with the address, okay? My ma, Seuss, is just leaving. <laughs> this whole episode is a here we go. I keep waiting for the sofa to show up, but it takes about 12 minutes for the sofa to even become a thing. It's all about Bud trying to get with this chick from a frat party, and Bud is looking gross as hell, Steven. I don't know about you, but I am not digging this goatee that Bud feels like he needs to have in this season. That's blasphemy. I I have a goatee. Yeah, but you wear it good, man. You've you you have a full like adult face that can fill out the goatee. Bud literally looks like, you know what? If I get this, I'll look like a douchebag. Maybe I thought he looked better with a full beard, and I think he had one in the Christmas episode. He did, and I don't know exactly uh, listeners, we're recording these a little out of order, so I can't really remember when exactly he donned the goatee look, but it's it's too full. It's too full for his young-looking face. It should be smaller, you know what I mean? Anyway, but uh, yeah, he's chilling on the couch, he's chalking to this chick, and <laughs> sounds like he sounds like we missed out on watching a really interesting frat party. Yeah. Because where do you find her underwear on the ceiling fan? No, the ceiling, not the ceiling fan, the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, on the ceiling, like, what the heck? Yeah. Huh. And we'll see this girl later in the episode, but he's trying to get this girl to come out, come over. And he talks, hey, babe, I got the whole place to myself Saturday night. And immediately you, you as a viewer should be flagging, wait a second, why should he have Saturday night off? And we find out. Because he had a last-minute cancellation on his social calendar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, your social calendar. Let me pull mine up now. Oh, yeah, nothing. (laughs) Yeah, mine neither. You know. (laughs) But he is guaranteed, we've later find out, to have this time off because the great Alan Peggy... I think in real life needed some time off or to chill and decided to film maybe five minutes worth of for this episode because they're gone. Peggy and Al are heading off to good old Wanker County. Oh, feeling any better, bud? Is that you, Ma? I just feel awful that you and Kelly got sick and can't come with us to my family reunion. (laughs) And I really hate to leave you in this condition. After all, I wouldn't want people to think I'm an unfit parent. (laughs) Let me see this. 98.6. Is that good? Nope. No. Maybe I really should stay home. I hate to miss out on the festivities, though. This year, they're going to celebrate the first annual Wanker County Olympic Games. Damn this fever. You and Dad have a tire-hugging good time. Well, we will. Bye, Buck. Bye, house. Bye, couch. Oh, boy. Let's go, Al. (laughs) 
after. Yeah, yes. As the only non-blood relative invited, they're counting on you to officiate the Olympics. Now let's go before we miss the ceremonial lighting of Cousin Jeb. Uh, all right. We got everything. The water purification tablets. Check. The meat, fish, grain purification tablets. Check. The wanker translation book. You know, English to gibberish. Check. Uh, Dad, you want me to take the bag to the car? Yeah, she can walk. (laughs) What was the name of it again? Like, I know what it is, but I forget what she actually calls it. I forget. Some sort of Winter Olympics. They're Winter Olympics or something like that. Yeah, but it's in fall. <laughs> well, no, it's 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 January. That's winter. So that's true. Doesn't really feel like winter though when Kelly's walking around the woods. Just saying. Yeah, you're right. Those don't look like Chicago. I don't think we're ta- we're not talking modern uh, shows like Last Man Standing <laughs> or that uh, follow rules and have continuity. We're talking about Married with Children. That's very, very true, Stephen. Very true indeed. However, well, they are head. Alan Peggy are heading to Wanker County to see her family for this Winter Olympics that the county seems to put on. But the problem is they need a judge, and there needs to be a non-blood relative, and there's only one of those. And Bud is sure he's not going to Wanker County. Way most people in their family like to, you know, escape with the Wanker horror. He's going to fake being sick in a good old-fashioned uh, E.T. ripoff because that was the first time I ever saw someone pull this prank by faking their temperature. But wait, it's not even a ripoff. He doesn't fake his temperature. No, it's 98.6. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> is that bad? And she doesn't know. She doesn't know because she's an idiot. And this is why this show, and you know what? I can see why people say it, it would be tiring by season eight, but it's still clever. How many your Peggy is a bad bomb puns have we done? Like so many, but that was pretty clever how she's like, I wouldn't want people to think I'm a bad mother. Let me see your temperature. 98.6. Is that bad? Or is that good? Yeah, she has no clue. (laughs) Have you seen this commercial? It's been played to death, but I like it. I think it's funny. The woman is sitting, reading, and her cat's next to her, and you hear somebody fall, and this kid yells out, Mom, what? I fell. And she says, there's a Band-Aid in the closet. And the kid says, I'm bleeding. And the and mom says, get two. (laughs) You know, that sounds like Peggy to me. Oh my God, that's that's the secret. Peggy's infiltrating the commercials of the future. Yeah, yeah. but you know it's great, and I really just I was so involved with Peggy uh, pretending to care because it's weird. She'll pretend to care, but then she truly doesn't for the point of the joke. But she keeps yeah, shouting. Well, look who she said goodbye Go to. She said goodbye to the couch. I'll miss you. <laughs> oh, oh, that's right. <laughs> yes. And they're playing it so hammy. Like Peggy's all of like is going to be more invested in this couch than she really ever has. Although her butt is on it more than most of the characters in the show. But I want to move into how Al gets introduced in this episode because he gets introduced with a thunderous applause. I want to clap myself because you assume he's upstairs because she keeps shouting for him and the trope is that someone's upstairs. But no, he's 
He's in the closet, hold, pretending to be behind a shirt that he's holding up. He's not even having it on a hanger. Like, he's just holding it up like, oh, maybe she, she won't see me. Oh, man. Listen, son, by the way, if you don't hear from me at least once a day, then Ann Skeeter probably violated parole and baked me into one of her pies. <laughs> in which case, call 911. Or as they say in Wanker County, 911. Ed O'Neill can just pull off such a whiny, pathetic baby and make it so endearing. Most people can't do that. No, they can't. But he is a good actor. He nails his part every time. And he made that transition from the early years into the latter years really well. Just the way he says, Peg, I don't wanna. Like, <laughs> I can't. It's so great. It sounds like a four-year-old. It's <laughs> We're going to come into all these funny uh, like ideas about Winker County because it's all done through inference right yeah. now. How, like with Al going, all right, let's go through everything we've got. Water purification yeah. tablets. Check. Meat and cheese purification tablets. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I didn't get this joke, Stephen, but maybe you can help me out with it. Al's like, remember what number to call in case you need trouble. 911, or as they say in Winker County, 911. Yeah. I didn't get the 911 joke. It really wasn't. It was just showing that they were dumb. You don't call it 911. They call it 911 just because they're dumb. Wouldn't that imply they actually know how to count to 911, though? Maybe. Maybe they know how to count that high. Who knows? Oh, that's why it like, caught me, because I'm just like, oh, they don't know. Call 911. So it's like, oh, I guess it... You know what? I think it's just a joke for Al to use his like wanker voice because that was funny. Yeah. It, it caught me off guard. I'm like, wait, is that a referencing something? And I looked and I couldn't find it. So Yeah, no, there wasn't anything to it. Just a joke that they think of it as 911. You know, also, Al wanted to make sure that they had the wanker translation book, you know, English to gibberish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so great. Oh, man. Basically, Al and Peggy blow out of there with the wind, of, with the Chicago wind. They just blow right away. Hey, bud, guess what? Yeah. Damn, this fever. <laughs> when will it end? Oh, poor thing. Hey, Peggy, I think I'm coming down with something. <laughs> yes. You're coming down with me to Wanker County. <laughs> Um, leaving our two little Bundys, Kelly and Bud. And they both have made plans for Saturday night because Kelly pops on in and immediately throws a thermometer in her mouth and just gets out of this trip. Well, they're gone. Uh, for a whole week. And guess what, <sighs> Kelly? Next Saturday night, I got a shot at a babe who hasn't used the word no since the last time someone asked her if she ever used the word no. Well, what if I said that I needed the house next Saturday night? What if you said you were on fire? I mean, either way, it means nothing to me. Well, then you're going to have to be the one to tell the little children that they'll never learn to read. Kel, there's nothing you can say to me right now that... Tell what little children they'll never learn to read. 
Well, you know the anti-illiteracy campaign that I've been so active in? <laughs> no. That's the one. You see, Budrick, these kids look at me as the verminator and all they see is glamour and bright lights and deadly poison, but I'm more than just a sexy chick who kills bugs. I'm a role model. So I volunteered to shoot a public service announcement in the house to encourage them to read. But Kel, you can't read. Yeah, well, you can't score, but you still have a bed. Anyway, I just thought that it was time that I gave something back to the community. Well, judging by the lines at the free clinic, you already have. You know, that's the sort of crack that would make the old Kelly call you a rubber-loving Barbie thumper. But that's the old Kelly. The new Kelly is simply going to ask you to let me have the house next Saturday night so I can show these poor kids the beauty of the little engine that could. Ah, oh, I love the little engine that could. Yeah, we all did, bud, but some of us have moved on. <laughs> puff, puff, chug, chug went the little blue engine. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. <sighs> wow. <laughs> you know, this would make a great TV movie starring Robert Urich or, or that brawny Facts of Life girl. <laughs> okay, Stephen, I want you to take on this, because, like, this completely failed me. I felt like an idiot because Kelly tricked me. Did she trick you? No. <laughs> oh, she didn't trick me. <laughs> <laughs> she tricked me because it's too, like I have it in my notes. The idea for a fake commercial, is this too smart for Kelly? Because her whole thing is, but you can't get with that tramp on Saturday night because I've got something and she, she, how does she say it? Like, okay, bud, fine. But then all the little children who can't learn to read, you'll have to tell them they can't. And he's just staring at her like, where are you going with this? Like, I would be staring at her. And it's a clever plan because we know she just recently got rehired as the Verminator. So she's a television presence. And they apparently want her to do a public service announcement to get kids... Uh, to read, and she's going to read somebody in Married with Children wanted to see Kelly do Kelly voice reading the little engine that could, because it is adorable. And it just seems like something that she would be asked to do. Yeah. It caught me off guard. I truly thought that that's where this episode was going. That they were going to show up, that she was going to read a a little engine that could, find out that she can't, then kids were going to make fun of her, and then she would have to lose the... I don't... This sounds like a real episode, but it... And that's a a big tie to the season three opener. The little engine that could. Thank you. I... Yes. So it was fresh in my memory. And that's my number one on my top ten list of favorite Married with Children episodes. Ah, nice. The little engine that could. <laughs> so fast forwarding, um, we're going back into Saturday night. Bud's coming on down looking nice and fancy. Wait a second. What's that smell? <laughs> it's you. 
Bud, you smell good. What's wrong? It's my brand new scent, guaranteed to attract the ladies. Yeah? What's it called? Simply Abe. <laughs> And, uh, if that's not enough, I got another buck taped to my thigh. Well, good luck. Thanks. And, uh, have fun doing your commercial. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. See you. Okay, he's gone! <laughs> oh, man. Smelling good. Oh, it's so perfect. It is so perfect. Because, guys, what he's got is he's got a $5 bill on a string wrapped around his neck uh, going like, because even Kelly says it, Bud, you smell good. And it's, and this is continuity because it's been proven that women in the Mario Children's universe can smell money. Yes, and on top of that, I think it's also a callback to Rites of Passage when Al gave him the... The, or the dollar that's tied to a string and tells him something someday this will be yours oh yeah a quarter of his paycheck which which i just which i just called back to an episode where he brings uh bud to the nudie bar one of my favorite lines of all time son i'm giving you four dollars oh dad your whole paycheck <laughs> we know that's just hyperbole i mean there's no way anyone could have four dollars on a whole paycheck so bud's got him got money five around his neck he's got another bill taped to his thigh just in case he is just ready to go and he actually we have a touching moment they don't happen too much in Mary with children but the audience goes in awe as the siblings wish each other luck and i'm even awing too because at this moment i truly think kelly's going to be doing a commercial the second she leaves, she goes to the backyard and you find out she has somebody. Okay, so, Stephen, I think we have to be very, very diligent to the whole setup of the scene because our, our listeners, if you haven't seen the episode, here's what exactly happens because I'm playing it right in front of me. <laughs> Thanks, I was getting kind of bored out there, so I, uh, I took some pictures. <laughs> This one here is from the house across the street. It's nice. Thank you. Where the hell did she find these guys? So, uh, you want to fool around the couch? Relax, Gunter. We've got hours. I mean, Bud really thinks that I'm shooting a commercial. What a Mormon! I know. So, uh, you want to fool around the couch? Gunter, you don't just come into my house covered with oil, smoking a smelly cigar, and asked me to fool around on my mother's couch. I mean, that would be a sign of low breeding. Here, we'll fool around on the floor behind the couch. All right, he's gone. She gets up and James Bond style rips the sports jacket that she's wearing off and reveals that she's wearing a slutty dress. Or I'll say skanky dress because that's what Kelly likes to wear. And then zooming in the background into the backyard on a motorcycle comes in a guy with thanks to subtitles I know is Gunther, G-U-N-T-H-E-R who is tall as hell, 
ripped jeans, looks like he had just suffered a motorcycle wipeout at like 80 miles an hour, smoking a stogie, not a black and mild, a thick cigar, and just like, so you want to fool around here on that couch? And I'm like, oh, the couch, they're going to do it. And she's like, no. And this was a guy who was probably just as dumb as Kelly. She t- she tells him, I mean, Bud really thinks I'm shooting a commercial, and his response is, what a Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, actually. He is at Kelly's level of stupidity. Yeah. And this is something I've noticed, that, and it's only because I was thinking about Gunther later, about 10 beats later, after we see Bud's girl, and then we go back inside, and then we see Gunther, and I'm like, Okay, I get it. This show is as mean to the male gender as it is to the female gender yeah. in a lot of ways. And I like the yeah, <laughs> like I like the way Gunther asks her, "You want to fool around on the couch?" And then Kelly says, "Gunther, you just don't come into my house covered in oil, smoking a smelly cigar, and ask me to fool around on my mother's couch." I mean, that would be a sign of low breeding. Here, we'll fool around on the floor behind the couch. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> Gunter, what did you forget to do? Oh, sorry. Well, take it out. <laughs> that better? Yes. <laughs> what what happens is Gunther, and I'm like, God, I laugh every time I say his name. <laughs> Gunther. It sounds like a monkey name. Um, he, he plops that cigar right down to the couch, knowing what's going to happen. And, Stephen, you brought up a little interesting thing uh, before we started recording. Bud is outside on the porch. So Bud's plan, instead of, because he can't fool around in the house, is to invite this girl over, and he, quoting her... Is as good makes up a nest like a wren bird would, and is like so, babe. Let's fool around. And well, I don't know what kind of tramp Bud thinks she was, but she's not that kind, and just storms away. But yeah, you mentioned how the heck did they not both smell the obvious smoke and disgusting smell? And on top of that, how did that fire not spread? Yeah. Yes, it's a couch. Because, like, uh, guys, I don't know if any of you are college listeners and you are, you're in a college house, maybe a fraternity house, and you want to stick an upholstery furniture out on the uh, porch. Don't, don't do that. Because guess what? People are going to be smoking cigarettes out there. And they're going to be sitting on it. And then those things can light up and they'll And burn. especially if you spill alcohol with drinks on it. Oh, yeah, so if your couch is soaked with beer or and whiskey and stuff, and you drop a cigarette on there or fall asleep smoking something else, uh, it's true. You will light that place up because upholstery burns like crazy, and it smells so bad. I smelt a burning couch. It's bad. Um, real quick, uh, one job I had working my way through college and seminary was I was a paramedic. I didn't do it with the fire department because I'm an asthmatic. You can't join the fire department with being an asthmatic. So I got to work on an ambulances. So, of course, we're there to back up uh, the fire department, you know, because we're going to have to take care of the people who are injured. 
fire department does too. I lost count about how many fires they had to respond to in which someone fell asleep smoking in bed or smoking on a couch. Oh, yeah. I remember seeing PSAs in high school about that. Like, it was just known that all kids were smoking cigarettes and everything and just how you shouldn't smoke in bed. And I will admit I'm guilty of having done this. But how do you fall asleep holding a lit substance that's smoking in your hand? I I just feel like my brain would not allow that to happen. It's like say it's like falling asleep while you're urinating. Like that's just there's certain things your brain's not going to allow you to do. It blows my mind that that's such a common sleep thing. Sleep is a very powerful thing. A lot of people fall asleep driving. Yeah, but that's I've actually done a little bit of reading on that. Um, anybody out there who has problems falling asleep while they're driving, that's called driving hypnosis. Um, that can happen when you're staring at the repetitive uh, zoom, 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 zoom of the uh, painted... Uh... And, and, you know, the traffic engineers knew that was going to happen. That's why a lot of highways have dips and turns and curves in them because they want to keep the driver's mind active. And uh, something else to add to that, that's why, that's why a lot of signs are in... That's why we use yellow for general warning and orange for construction. Those two colors activate thinking patterns in your brain. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and by the way, guys, I've learned. I did a lot of commuting, and I can tell you right now. Here's the trick: don't. It's not blasting the music. It's not opening up the window. It's talking. Start having a conversation with yourself, and I mean loudly. Pretend there's somebody else there. Actually, talk loudly about it. Don't sing talk loudly pretend there's somebody else there and actually talk and answer yourself it will keep you and there is one other alternative find a safe place pull over and take a 20 minute nap if you absolutely have to that's that's also the safest way to do it but if you can't do that try my talking thing it will get you to a place where you can't you know and with us doing the podcast i like to point out you know i went to oklahoma city over the weekend i was telling you about that it's not that really long of a drive but i found out to keep my mind more engaged podcasts are a lot better than that than music oh absolutely absolutely because i don't know about you steven when i listen to a podcast i'm by myself if i'm listening to somebody and they bring up something like yeah i didn't really know that kelly was wearing that in that episode that's a very strange thing to for her to do i'll pause the episode and it's gonna sound really nerdy but i'll pretend that i'm talking to them and go Dude, that's so cool, because this is what I was thinking, and I kind of like to join into the conversation. I loved it so much that I decided to actually start podcasting myself. <laughs> yeah, and I've gotten into it, too, in a, in a light way, but yeah, I just find it more engaging than just listening to music. Oh, wait, 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 Stephen. If anybody is driving right now, wake up! Wake up! Wake yeah, up! Yeah, I'm really going to bore you to I sleep. Want... That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll I'll end the thing with a full plane of Brahms lullaby. <laughs> now, I know this may not be quite as comfortable as what you're used to, my dear, but um, personally, I find making love indoors restrictive. That's why I'm glad that attendant threw us out of his photo mat. You're as broke as a two-dollar wristwatch, aren't you? And hornier than a funeral in New Orleans, baby. Shall we? No. No? Why'd you pick up that kind of language? Look, 
I don't know what kind of tramp you think I am, but just because a man can build a nest like a wren doesn't mean I'll make out with him. Goodbye. But, but uh, I'm, I'm wearing Simply Abe. So after Bud uh, fails beautifully, you know what? You got to give it credit. Like, he... I, it made me think of being 16 or 17 again. Like, you know what? It's a space. Let's do it. <laughs> it's the front porch. No one's home. It's dark. You know what? Maybe if we just keep low, no one will see us. Let's just see where things go. <laughs> she says to him, just because a man can build a little nest like a wren doesn't mean I'll make out with him. Goodbye. And then his response was, <laughs> but I'm wearing Simply Abe. <laughs> I know he's just like my the money, and you know what? That simply Abe got him, got her up to that porch. He forgot the plausible Benjamin that he should have been wearing. But these don't well have Benjamin. The deal. <laughs> <laughs> they might have an Andrew Jackson. They will definitely have a um, a George. Uh, maybe an Abe if they're oh, yeah. lucky. And maybe even the James Madison. Peggy would have, Peggy could have smelt the generous Grant. Uh, I'm sure they might have had a Thomas Jefferson. Oh man, totally TJ. I'm just coming up with well, all wait these. Wait a minute, like, think about it. Thomas Jefferson. What bill was he on? Do you know? Uh, he's on number two. Yeah, the right? two dollar bill. Oh yeah, they, you know they're still pretty. Yeah, they're very, they're even more rare than what they were back in the '90s. But uh, yeah, I remember. One time I found a whole bunch on the ground. I found like uh, four or five $2 bills. And it was back in the 2000, it was like in the 2000s or so, early 2000s. And I'm guessing someone saw that and probably thought, this is fake money. I'm getting rid of it. (laughs) You know what? I don't know, but I don't know about you, but like around Michigan, they're, they're so popular that at my job, when I count our registers in, there actually is. It's a stupid system. It's a, for stupid people. Instead of counting the total amount of money that has an option of listing out all the bills, I just count the amount of the individual bills and type that number in. And there's a slot for $2 bills. I remember dealing with them when I worked at the movie theater in high school. Yeah, it's that's something that a lot of people forget about. Not too long ago, I got a half dollar coin back for change. You ever get those? Oh, Oh yeah, we get those all the time. And well, you don't get you probably wouldn't get these a lot, but being in Michigan, where I'm very close to our neighbors in the north, I get loonies and toonies from Canada that all the time. That wouldn't surprise me. Did you know that, Stephen? This is my last tangent here, but did you know that the loony is the one dollar coin? There are no one dollar paper Canadian bills. There's one dollar coins called loonies. And I asked a guy in Canada, why do you call him a loony? He's like, well, look, there's a loon on it, uh, the bird. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. And then he, I picked up the $2 coin, and I was like, well, why do you call these toonies? And I'm looking at the image, and he's like, because it's a $2 coin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> at that moment, I decided at some point I'm going to get a residence. I'll become dual citizenship in Canada. Any country that has that kind of humor with their money, I'm involved. Like, that's just great. Well, duh, it's because it's the $2 coin, so it's a toonie. <laughs> but uh, getting back to the episode here. Oh, yeah. So basically the couch is gone. It went up in smoke. And I have in my notes, 
cool fake couch prop. You know, Kelly, I, I can't help but feel that this is in some small way my fault. <laughs> See ya. Jeez. Who's gonna tell mom you burnt up her couch? Wait, wait a second. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. <laughs> And I just kept thinking, Stephen, somebody had to build that. And I really want to hear a commentary of the set designer who was like, yeah, they came up to me and they're like, so we're doing the couch thing. And I'm like, okay, so you need me to build you guys, get you guys a couch? Yeah, but it, we need it burnt. What do you mean burnt? Yeah, we, we have it burnt up. You need to build a burnt-looking couch that's been burnt down, but it's also safe and comfy enough that a dog could sleep on it several minutes later. I just want to see, like, where the construction mind went into that, because it's probably a lot harder to build damaged, like, plausibly-looking damaged Well, when you things, look at you know? it, it's really only the base of it that's still there. So they probably just got some two-by-fours and put them in a square and put some couch material and maybe and there's a metal grate on there too like the the springs and stuff like it looks like a real burnt couch i'm wondering if they lit a couch on fire and that was it yeah they might have but uh... <laughs> that would have been the cheaper way to do it hey let's just buy that old couch let's find a couch on the side of the road bring it back to the parking lot light it on fire and then as long and <laughs> that would have been a tough smell though to get rid of Oh, God, that's what I'm saying. Like, even if you, even at the end of this episode, you're never getting the smell of that couch out of Oh, there. yeah. Like, Alan Pegg would have smelled it, even if it was two or three days later. I don't think it's like only a day for them, but that's a really tough smell to get out. Even Al's feet wouldn't, couldn't mask that, and that's saying something. Well, maybe it could. I, you don't know. <laughs> Yeah, um, maybe then you'd prefer the couch smell. Yeah, right? that's <laughs> true. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so the the couch has been is gone, it is absolutely gone. Gunther, <laughs> Gunther, remembered they only paid him to talk until two p.m. and it's two o three p.m. because he's just like bye and walks right, walks away, <laughs> and that's it <laughs> for him. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you burned down mom's couch Yeah, well I can't believe you bought that stupid concern for illiteracy crap <laughs> I mean, if you had doubted me the way that you're supposed to This never would have happened Oh, nice try, pyronymph <laughs> Bud, you've got to help me Oh, well, sure If you don't mind living a life of servitude and degradation I hear Saudi Arabia needs blondes <laughs> I'm not asking for me. I'm asking for mom. I mean, this couch is her life. She can't go on without it. But if she finds out about this, it could kill her. Kelly, don't you think you're exaggerating just a little? Oh, yeah. The phone call. And then right after just... that, it's sitcom magic. The phone rings. Hello? Is my couch okay? <laughs> Your couch? Why, yes, Mom, it's fine. It's lovely. Why do you ask? Well, the funniest thing, for no reason, my rear end suddenly got warm. 
Oh, Mom, what could have happened to the couch that's worse than you and Dad sitting on it, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm just being silly. <laughs> anyway, you want to say hi to your father? No. <laughs> it's just, it's so great. And it's literally Peg's just like, for some reason, out of nowhere, my bottom just started getting warm. <laughs> I because it's so true. It, this show it takes that idea of like all of a sudden now the couch is the biggest thing in the world. Uh, she's calling home to check on because that's why she called to check on it. How's my couch? And a good mother would <laughs> yeah. want to call and find out. Hey kids, how you doing? You need anything? Oh no 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 no! I've got a parent who's just like that. They'll call up literally to be like, "How's my dog?" Or how's this per thing here? Not like how are you doing, but how's the place you're looking after for me doing? Because I don't trust you. I got to tell you this: something that happened a long time ago, and it was around '94. It was around this time, and I was living in Kentucky, going to seminary, and I was one of my best friends in the world, Bill Myers. He and I were helping with this youth group at a Methodist church up in Lexington, and they had this all-night uh, party. Well, and it was President, uh, uh, no, it was Martin Luther King Jr. Day. That was the following day. So this is Sunday night. And there was a snowstorm coming in. Actually, at first there was ice coming in. It was icing. And I had to drive the bus to haul these kids around to the different things of bowling and then to an ice rink. And it was getting bad. And by the time we got back to the church, we had about two inches of ice on the ground. Then the snow was coming in. We lived in Wilmore, Kentucky. That's where the seminary was. That's a good 15 to 20 miles south of us. And so Bill and I, we told Ralph, the youth minister, hey, we're going to leave. We're going to go ahead and go. We start heading down there, and I am driving oh so slow in my car, or actually my truck, so we can get back safely. The next morning, that snow's on the ground. There was about five, six inches of snow on top of three inches of ice. Worst storm I ever remember in my life. But the thing is, Thursday, we get a call. Uh, we shared a phone line, and I answer, and Bill answers, and then there's Ralph. He's the youth minister. And he says, hey, guys, we're calling to make sure you're all right, that you got back okay. Remember, this is Thursday. And I said, yeah, we got back okay. And then he says, hey, I want to tell you guys something. Um, don't finish too early with the Sunday school lessons. The kids are getting out and making noise. Oh, Bill and I were so lividly mad about that. He didn't, you know, it's kind of like, first of all, if you're worried about us, why didn't you call us Monday morning or Tuesday? And secondly, his reason for calling was to gripe at us for letting the kids out early. So what you're saying is phones are the worst evil on the planet. No, I'm saying Ralph is an asshole. <laughs> you know don't pretend you care when you're drunk when you're really going to call to chastise us about something hell if he had chastised about it you know i would have taken it better but don't you know do this we we're worried about you guys really worried yeah it's four days later so just to get that off my chest let's go back to the podcast <laughs> All right, I'm glad this podcast is a good source of you just letting out your angst uh, of, of these, like, memories. <laughs> yeah, people tell me I have an anger issue. I just want to punch them out. <laughs> Don't you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. People say, stop being angry, and I'm like, fuck you, I'm not angry. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I have a reference for this uh, this coming scene. In the background of this phone call... We not we don't get to see Ed O'Neill, but we get to hear him having a 
hoot and a holler of a time judging this stupid Olympics. And he sounds like he's getting into it. That's the winner. Last contestant in the rooster toss, Cousin Zeke. 40 feet, apparently, is the new, is the winner. That That's pretty good. Yeah. Roosters are heavy. That's a pretty far chuck. <laughs> Al, the kid said goodbye. Uh, Al, the kid said goodbye. Hey, to serve, man, it's a cookbook. <laughs> it's a cookbook. Okay, thank you. I knew you would probably know what this reference is because I didn't look it up because I knew you would probably know. I had no idea what they were talking okay, about. Okay, it's an old Twilight Zone episode called To Serve Man, a real classic one. These aliens come to Earth and they're promising nice freedom and they're going to get their technology and their medicine and they want to uh, serve humans. And they got this book and the... Um, this one expert has to try and analyze it, and you know, a linguist he has to translate it, and they figure out it's called it's called to serve man. So they think, oh, they're here to serve us. And then towards the end, these people are getting on the ship, and this one guy comes out and he says, "Don't to serve man. It's a cookbook." <laughs> and so people are trying oh. to get off the ship, and uh, the aliens are rounding them up and taking them back onto the ship because. Yeah, they were going to cook them and eat them. Okay, see, this is so weird. Living in the time of internet and YouTube and growing up uh, for that, because uh, listeners, if you don't know, me and Steven are different in different age groups. I remember for the first 10 years of my life, there wasn't any internet, and every year after that, there was. So I saw things in different ways. So that serve man thing, I didn't see that Twilight episode until about five years ago. But I would have recognized it as a reference to the first Treehouse of Horror of the Simpsons, yes. where they do a really funny-ass gag. Well, it's a parody like, of that episode. To serve... Oh, yeah, a really funny... Wait, there's some more space dust on this book. How to serve yeah. man. How to serve four people. Then they blow off some more dust. How to serve 40 people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just keeps going. They thought we were going to eat them. No. They're serious. And Kang and Kodos are crying. And the third alien, which this is not a Simpsons podcast, but the third alien is actually the, the, the chef. That's James Earl Jones. Oh, yeah. Darth Vader himself in an uncredited role. Like, I spent my life saving over a yeah. kitchen for you people. And they, and he, the director of that episode literally had James Earl Jones eat a crack, eat saltines while he talked to get his mouth salvily. Yeah. It's just, I just love that. I love this so much that he, that, anyway, that's just a great reference. So very good pull on that to serve man thing and a good twilight episode. I recommend it. Twilight zone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good episode of the twilight zone. Apparently it's also referenced in one of the naked gun movies as well, which I, I haven't seen any naked gun. Oh my God. You have got to see those. Have you seen airplane? I have seen Air Okay, think of the airplane doing a police comedy, and you got it. Oh, so it, it's like Airplane meets uh, the Police Academy? Well, no, it's a lot better than Police Academy. <laughs> a ton better. Oh, I don't know. I, police Academy's pretty good, Stephen. <laughs> police Academy? No. 
Yeah, Police Academy 1, 2, not 3, and sometimes 4, but always 5. You want to know something? (laughs) I watched Police Academy not too long ago. I watched it, and I didn't laugh. And I thought to myself, this wasn't funny like I remembered it. No, it's totally made for like a 14-year-old brain. But if you can get yourself in that mindset, it's pretty funny. All right, so moving, uh, moving along here, the... What? We're doomed. Uh, we? Wait a second. I didn't have anything to do with this. I was out with a girl. And you really think they're gonna believe that? (laughs) Okay, I'll help. (laughs) If we're gonna get a new couch, first thing we need is a picture of the old one. Great idea. Bud, you are a genius. (laughs) Alrighty. Now what? Now we send this to Ripley's along with your picture. <laughs> I meant a picture before the fire. Okay, I'm gonna get Mom's photo album. Probably more pictures of the couch in here than there are of us. The kids are freaking out. They need to like go and search for this couch out in the out in the store somewhere. But to do that, you need a photo of it. Well, Kelly has a great idea. Grabs a wonderful. This thing is like like seeing a telephone booth. A Polaroid camera and takes a picture of the burnt couch. Develops it and looks so cute. It's just like I'm so proud of myself. Here you are. And Bud's like, fine. I'll send this to Ripley, along with a picture of you. Oh boy, Steven. Ripley's Believe It or Not. Something that you and me definitely both remember. Oh yeah, it was... There were books before, you know, the TV show with Jack Palance. There Mm -hmm. is a museum somewhere. I forget where a friend of mine was telling me about it. And I'd like to go to it sometime, but... You can take a virtual tour thanks to COVID right now. I need to do that. Yeah, it's pretty... It's pretty cool. Yeah, so Ripley's Believe It or Not, as Steven just pointed out, used to be books, but it's also an, it's basically a whole franchise it's founded by uh, the titular Robert Ripley, which deals in bizarre events and items so strange and unusual that readers might question the claims. Now, it actually, Stephen, it was originally, it was a newspaper panel. The Believe It or Not feature. See, I remember getting some of those books when my brother and I were kids. We just loved reading them. I had the I had the comic books. Yeah, there were comics for it too. Which the comics were great because those drawings could be could make the things they were claiming look really really, really cool. sinister too. It's a good franchise, and if anybody wants to dig into that, there's a lot of really good articles about it that like detail the timelines and show you clips of like what of their best stuff is. And it's just a really good snapshot that just shows that through all of American history people and probably the whole human history people love weird shit we are attracted to it like we want to know like ooh, that looks creepy let's go see it i will click on a link that says the top 10 most bizarre looking snakes well it may be real and i really want to see what these snakes look like (laughs) but then we have to come back to reality with bud and kelly Oh, yeah, and the reality is the couch they have is such an eyesore that no place in Chicago... Well, no, it's not that. He has to remind Kelly, you need a picture of it before the fire. Oh, yeah, but that's not a problem, Stephen. They got more photos of that couch than they do of them. Yeah, parents do. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm going to go get Mom's photo album. There's the solution. Open it up. There it is. Um, But, yeah, so... Hey, guys. (laughs) 
I got the scoop on your couch. I, uh, I got some friends in the furniture business. Well, uh, actually, they're in the uh, making false compartments in the furniture business. <laughs> but they gave me the lowdown. Oh, please, let this be easy. Please, please, please. This is not going to be easy. Uh, now, this may come as a surprise to you, but your couch wasn't exactly a popular item. <laughs> How many were made? What, a thousand? Five hundred? What? Two. <laughs> How many did they sell? One. Great. Then all we gotta do is find the one that they sold. How hard could that be? Well, when your looks go, you're dead. You're dead. Now, no one really knows where the other couch is, but I do know who made it and where he lives. Oh, then at least let this be easy. This is not going to be easy. A certain amount of time has passed. They're unsuccessful in their search for the couch, but Kelly is very, very uh, positive because they still have a whole week left to look at it. Or so you think. Yep, enter Jefferson. The lack of Marcy had me questioning a little bit, but she does not fit in this episode at all and prays to... The, produ- the producers slash director of this episode for realizing you don't need to shoehorn her in. And I'll praise the director because it actually is Amanda Bierce. Think she had them on the leash because I want to believe Amanda Bierce was smart and snavvy enough to know I am not going to insert myself into this episode because it narratively does not require me at all. I just, I, I think that's good. I can tell sometimes when characters get shoehorned in literally just to have an appearance, aka the second episode that all four of us did, um, Boys in the Hood, where Kelly and Bud get airdropped into the episode for no apparent reason. I honestly think that's some like contractual. We need to be in the episode. And Amanda Burse at this point is a main character. She sh- could have that claim and as a director uh-huh. could make it happen. And she didn't. I just want to give her a round of applause for uh, knowing not to fatten out an episode. Yeah, that is good. So makes you wonder, Jefferson's really into some shady stuff, isn't he? Really shady, shady stuff. Like this is, we've gone from, you know, a Dan the Cop busting up poker games to FBI and DEA probably yeah. looking for him. Uh, he says that they, Kelly starts praying to God. Oh, please let this be easy. Think about who's saying that. <laughs> let this be easy. Uh, <gasps> <laughs> oh, damn, Steven. I yeah. didn't even think about that. Yeah. Oh, please let this be easy. I got to tell you guys, but I didn't even think about Kelly being the one saying Come on, I know how to be easy. Let this be easy. And that's what Jefferson says. This is not going to be easy. Uh, Because the couch apparently wasn't that popular. Probably the best line in there. He tells her, boy, when your looks go, you're dead. You're dead. Oh, man. And David Faustino, I'm sure you're you're looking okay, uh, you know, for your age and whatnot. But Christina Applegate is still just Yeah. She still looks great. Yep, I would date her in a heartbeat. (laughs) So basically, the guy who made this couch, which is so stupid to think about, couches are not made and designed by people. I mean, they are, but not 
like an they're talking about this couch like it's a special antique clock right like i'm sure there is furniture out there that the the man who made this desk from naples because it's a ten hundred thousand dollar desk it seems the guy who built it went insane how insane well, he spackled in his navel. He built the shrine to Larry of the Three Stooges. And he moved deep into the woods. He built a shrine to Larry Fine of the Three Stooges. I kid you not, I told you about going to seminary. We had a professor named Dr. Larry Wood. He looked like Larry. I am not kidding. I'm not kidding. And we had another professor look like Dr. His name was Dr. Bauer. He had this awful hairpiece, but it was just straight down like Moe's. And then we had another one named Dr. Lion, and he was bald like Curly. <laughs> and you see him walking down the hall. Wow. <laughs> oh, the students are like, oh, here come the three stooges again. Well, I mean, you have to see them all together to appreciate the, the, the scene, you know? Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, but quick interlude, though. So, yes, the Three Stooges, a very popular vaudeville group, um, probably the most popular vaudeville group of all time. Um, very popular from the 19, early 1910s to 1920s, all the way into the 1950s. They've spawned their own uh, changes, uh, like acts and stuff, and there's even been a movie done as recently as in the early 2000s. Um, but the original man, Larry Fine, who they're referring to, was the middleman, born from 1902, died in 1975. He always was known for playing the violin, which he could play, because vaudeville actors did it all they danced they sang they they showed real talent oh yeah you had to do whatever you could in fact if anybody out there really wants to have a good idea of the vaudeville acting king kong 2017 version has a vaudeville actress uh and how she tames the savage beast is that she does her vaudeville skits in front of King Kong. It's very fascinating because, like, she'll just do, like, backflips and, like, standing still and just does a backflip and does ju- and juggles pine cones and then catches them. Like, it's very awesome. Like, there's only one left as far as I'm concerned, and that is Steve Martin because he can juggle. He can do flips. He can oh, yeah. act. He can do comedy. He can do drama. He's a writer. He is. Uh, that's why I think he is yeah. a great, great talent because he is the last of those. Robin Williams was also, may he rest in peace, one of those too. And then there are the Marx Brothers. They got started in vaudeville too. The difference was the Marx Brothers went on to make their own movies from vaudeville. The Three Stooges went to making shorts that would appear before the movie. Very smart move, in my opinion. Yeah, because those clips are... I, I'll be honest, I've only watched a couple of Marx Brothers movies. But I'm going to watch them all for... Watch the Naked Gun movies work. first. I never... Yes, absolutely. I'll watch those for pleasure. But the it's just hard to... I couldn't really sit and watch an entire movie of the Three Stooges. They knew how to do their stuff in bits, but... I'm not going to digress down yeah. to the Three Stooges line. So, basically, he built a f- shrine to Larry Fine, which, when this episode posts, I will be sure to get a screenshot of the shrine because we see it in the next scene. It's amazing. So, basically, this guy lives out in the woods. 
Now, the tide, the, the actual line is woods, but I'm going to say Looney Tunes Jungle. Because, Stephen, we have our next Looney Tunes. First actual and only Looney Tunes moment in this episode. <laughs> Here is Kelly out into the woods of Chicago that has all the sound effects of a of an old Bugs Bunny into the jungle, uh, into Africa kind of like sound sound effects. <laughs> He's wandering around the woods looking for this place, and finally comes comes a knocking on a cabin. Well, she, she just walks right in. So, folks, we're about to enter a real top legend guest star, Mary. Oh, I'm sorry, Mari, Mori. Uh, this is where subtitles are helpful, because then, because Kelly comes up to him and goes, "Hey, are you Mary?" And the subtitles I'm list- I'm watching the show with say M A R Y, Mary. And he goes, "No, I'm Mari. M A R A Y is what the subtitles show." And then he spells it. My name's Mari. M A R Y. And she goes. How is that different from Mary? Because Mary spelled M-A-R. Um, but no, so this whole Mari, Mari, anybody who's listening to this and hasn't watched the episode with subtitles, go watch that scene with subtitles on. It's a hoot and a holler thinking about how they had to subtitle this. Entering in our guest star, this guy has been on so many shows, I don't even have time to list them off. He even makes it on as a recurring role in the show Friends. Basically, he is a... You're, you're going to find a ton of acting credits on this guy, but he is a legend in, like, just side characters. You need a goofy uh, a goofy character actor to have him. And I can totally just bet, dude, you're a weird hillbilly. Yeah, you're a weird hillbilly that lives in the woods and you make couches. Yeah. <laughs> He was in um, CSI Investigations. He's had a recurring role there. Not very much. He was in The Last Hand, another recurring role. He, he I know he was in super, a few Supernatural episodes, too. Oh, I think he was in a whole season. Yeah, that and, show, uh, because I'm a big fan of that one. I just don't remember which one. Yeah, the uh, you mentioned Friends. I remember him in a Home Improvement episode. He's a Star Trek. He's been in, you know, like, uh, Voyager. And I think he was in Deep Space Nine, too, at least once. Well, Voyager and Deep Space Nine overlapped a lot. Um, I'm trying to remember, who the heck was he in Voyager? Because I watched a lot of Voyager. You know what? I will defend Voyager nonstop. It was a good show. It had its moments, but... And I really wasn't a super fan of Deep Space Nine. I watched them until the very end. Again, we're not on Star Trek. We're talking about... Oh, we're, no, we're talking about Larry, and that's his name, Larry Hankin. Now, uh, Stephen, I'm going to do a little game here. I want you to take a guess how many acting credits this gentleman has. Okay, uh, 200. Damn it. Everyone always goes higher than my guesses. No, okay, he's got 189 acting credits, which yeah. is still very good. You know, we were talking about the guy in a in a previous episode we were doing on uh, dance. No, not dances with Wheezy. It was a uh, no check and no check. Kelly's boyfriend. Mm-hmm. 
and I forgot who the actor was in that one. I'd have to look him up, but he was another one. Man, he racks up a lot of good episodes, too, so it shows you, no, not everyone's necessarily famous, but... You know what? I might start doing, like, a new movie, like a like spit shooting ideas for new podcasts I want to start. Man, this is so cool. Like pick a random person and go through their credits and just start watching what they've been on. I'm going through here and there are TV shows I've never even heard of. Claude's yeah. Crib, Lois and Clark's the the new and old adventures You're of Superman. You're not familiar with that one? Uh, I'm a, I'm familiar with Lois and Clark, the new adventures of Superman. I'm not familiar with Lois and Clark, the old okay. adventures. Uh, there's Mad About You, Johnny Bago, uh, Picket Fences, T-Bones and Weasel, uh, Take It Back, Out in a Limb, Deuce Coop, Eyewitness, K-9, First and Ten, Death Warrant, Shannon's Deal. Like, these are all TV shows this guy has aired, has appeared at least. By the way, the, the girl who played Girl Bud went out with, Bryn Aaron. She only has 15 credits, and one of them again is Saved by the Bell. Ah, eat your heart out. Larry Hankin beat you by a mile. Oh, man. Oh, dude, he, Larry Hankin, was in George Burns' Comedy Week (laughs) TV series on the Christmas Carol number two, the sequel to the Christmas Carol. (laughs) And then there's Mark Matheson, who played Gunther. He only has 10. All those Gunther heads, real cult followers out there of of some of Mary's. And I'm just going to call him Mary, because that's what he's credited as. Mary, this guy... Is just so funny. He is so insane. Like, he is Mad Hatter level crazy. What kind of couch you looking for? Well, one with sturdy legs, you know, that you could fall asleep on. That's what I ordered from the escort service. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> Not there. <laughs> Not there. Then where? Right here. This is my bed. Sorry it's not made. I wasn't expecting company. Thank you. Now let's talk couches. Oh, great. Uh, here's the one that we're looking for. They say that you're the man who made it. No. Not this one. I was desperate. Uh, uh, my mother was sick. Uh, we needed the money. <laughs> Who are you to judge me? No, you don't understand. We like the couch. Yeah, sure do I. This is from my furniture for White Trash Line, the Drunken Hillbilly Collection. My one attempt at uh, commercialism. God, I hate America. <laughs> Not the country, the rock group. <laughs> Uh, Say, look, Mary. Murray! Man, I hate America. The band, not the country. (laughs) (laughs) And that's how he talked, guys, like, barely going from one thing to another. (laughs) The band, not the country. And I agree with him. The American band was atrocious. (laughs) And it was mostly because it was formed in London in 1970. It included trans thematic hits, A Horse with No Name, and I Need You. And it included a single Venture Highway and Hat Trick. Like these are the names of the songs. I looked I listened to some of them before they for calling you, Stephen, for this episode, and 
Yeah, they're atrocious. I agree with Merritt. But it was a jarring thing to hear uh, a television character back then say the words, "Ah, I hate America. So that's just something you probably couldn't say back then unless you quickly added the band. You know what? I'm kind of curious now. I wonder if this this episode stole that kind of joke from The Simpsons or if The Simpsons stole it from this because there's a line in one Simpson episode where they turn onto the track into traffic and it's like dead stopped for miles and Homer just goes, "Oh, I hate traffic, the band and the phenomenon." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it just seems like the same type of joke. But anyway, so yeah, this character blows in and Deus Ex Hillbilly in the Woods couch saving chair guy. Because uh, they, wouldn't you know it? Can you help me replace the couch or not? Well, I am sorry, but I no longer build couches. Now I just uh, visualize world peace and occasionally reenact the unsinkable Molly Brown. <laughs> However, I am willing to part with what is under this uh, giant spreading fungus over here. <laughs> It's perfect! It's perfect! Even down to the stains! Made it myself. (laughs) How much? Don't insult me with money. Well, how can I insult you? (laughs) With something I've been needing and wanting for a very, very long time. And uh, you're just the person who can give it to me. He's got that couch. It's the exact same one. And Stephen, you pointed out it's pristine. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. This was this. What really sold me? I forgot to put this in my notes. When Kelly goes up to his door to knock on it, there's a sign on the front door. It says, "If this shack's a rockin', don't come a knockin'." Oh, <laughs> I missed yeah. that. I thought that was okay. You know, you know what type of guy he is. Yeah. I'm looking when when he pulls this disgusting tarp off and shows this pristine couch i'm looking at the timer we are clocking at 19 minutes out of 22 minutes and 36 seconds so we got three minutes to end this episode and i love how mary with children just just hurries it up because literally next scene al and peggy are walking in and the couch is just sitting here oh wait no i totally forgot steven the wor- the best joke of this episode. I was wondering episode. if you were going to mention that, yeah. I know, I know. We've talked about so much. We never talked about how they're going to pay for this couch. Yes, because, yeah, Mari is not a traditional businessman. He is an old school, super old school. He's into the bartering method. I give you the couch, you give me something. Well, you got to remember the look on Kelly's face after he says this. She looks terrified. Because then the next scene opens, Bud and Kelly sitting on the couch, and Bud just going, I can't believe you did that for this couch. And Kelly's like, well, he really wanted it. I mean, it's been years. And the audience is losing their minds, as am I, because they're just keeping this joke going. And I'm like, Al and Peggy walk in. (laughs) We're home, (laughs) and I missed you so much. We missed you too, Mama. (laughs) Wow, it really is okay. You know, this is the first time my bottom has ever lied to me. (laughs) 
How were the Olympics, Dad? Oh, fine, fine. Hey, you guys ever have a carrot peeler run up and down your arms really, really fast? <laughs> of course you have. What the heck? Who hasn't? Well, I guess I'll go to bed. I haven't had a good night's sleep since... Well, since I got married. Yeah, you know, I'm really tired, too. Oh, come on, Peg. I already got skint once today. <laughs> oh, Al, don't flatter yourself. Not everything you do turns me on. Oh, baby, the way you open your mouth. <laughs> well, looks like you're going to get away with it. I'm telling you, though, I'm going to find out what you did to get this couch. God knows I didn't want to do it. But in today's world, you got to give something to get something. There's Al. And Peggy laying smack dab on the floor. Peggy cuddling up to Al and Al laying in horror because I think what that thud is supposed to tell us, Stephen, is that they just walked upstairs and flopped down on what they thought was their bed. But it's gone because Kelly traded the bed for the couch. Yeah, she traded the bed. She didn't trade something else for it that we were led to believe. And then on top of that, there is a subtle hint when you look back at it. You know, you can pick up some foreshadowing. There's no bed. You can't see a bed in that shack at all. No, it's nothing but couches. (laughs) Like stacked like Tetris blocks all around. Yeah, you're right. He really, really wanted it. It's been years. Yeah, Uh okay. Yeah, like I've got tons of couches. I'll trade one for a bed. Guys, couches are expensive. They're hundreds of dollars. If you have brand spanking new couches, you could trade all of them for, you know, a full bedroom set. That pretty much does it for this episode. It's time for no man to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm going to play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry With Children. Because the free wind is blowing through your hair, and the days surround your daylight there. Seasons crying, no despair. We didn't really, did we talk about the couch at all? No. Their ugly ass couch that is just, this just fits so perfectly for Married with Children. Like they can't have everything about the show, the people, the things they have. The, what they wear, how they talk, everything is grotesque. And I don't mean it as gross. I mean it as weird and bizarre and out there. And it just fits for their world that they would have this gaudy yellow and green couch. Yeah, it looks better on Futurama. Al, I did my hair the way you wanted it. Who are these people? Friends. Hey, where'd you get this couch and that TV set and all this stuff? They were giving it away on the street corner. Just like you, Leela. <laughs> Too bad they weren't giving away the three things you actually need. Mouthwash, a back wax, and stain-proof underwear. <laughs> you know, yeah, when they bring that couch onto Futurama, those... Those animators did a great job drawing that couch in all its disgusting glory. 
No Ma'am will be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. How many fried squirrels are you eating off the floor today, Stephen? Well, good Lord, I don't want to eat a fried squirrel in the first place, but... Hey, they're pretty good, man. If you say so. (laughs) I would only eat three, if that. (laughs) Uh, In all honesty, I didn't hate the episode, but I didn't love it either. I thought thought the jokes were okay. And I'm going to go off on a little thing here. I know Married with Children is known for its risque uh, and uh, body humor and all the double talk on sex and things like that. Like when Kelly's behind the couch with uh, Gunther and then the insinuation. At this point, I feel like I'm watching Three's Company all over again, which relied on that too. I'm not knocking that type of humor, but you can't overuse it. When Alex was talking about the golden years of uh, Married with Children, you know, seasons two through five, pretty much. It didn't just rely on sexual humor. It relied on character. It relied on situation. And it relied on uh, dialogue. It's real easy to go with the sex jokes. And I think we're seeing as uh, Married with Children, as it declines in popularity, that's all they're relying on at this point, pretty much. Because those Seasons two through four, they had other things going on. Or even season one, I was watching one, I, but I didn't shoot the deputy when Al accidentally shoots the dog that uh, Steve and Marcy brought. To me, the funniest part is at the end when he finds out that Pig bought a $150 crate, put some rocks in his bowling ball in it, and he's crying, and Steve is comforting him, real, thinking that he's crying that he shot the dog. No, he's crying because they just buried his bowling ball. To me, that's a hell of a lot more funny than just making sex jokes all the time. Those are my thoughts, and like I said, you can rely on them so much, but they do grow grow tired after a while. As Stephen finishes up his three fried squirrels, I'm going to head on over to the floor, and uh, I am going to eat three and chop one in half and eat half of another. Here, you can have one of mine if you want it. <laughs> no, 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 no. You took three. You eat them. We're, we're good folk in this house, okay? You eat your roadkill that you take. <laughs> what is it? Like, we'll get a dog and eat all to you him. want. Take all you want, but eat all you Maybe take. Maybe Buck will eat them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, Buck, get away. But, yes, three and a half fried squirrels off the floor out of five. A lot of what I'm going to say echoes what you said, Stephen, but I'm going to give it a little more of a leg up. As y'all know, I'm a big apologist for shows I tend to see the good in almost everything. I'm going to call this episode a good hangover episode. It's not too complicated. You can drift in and out. There's not a lot of loud noise and a lot of screaming that's happening. And the, 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 the plot 
tends to, it's not that hard to follow. And I want to think that at this point in the show, they know their jokes are just getting tiresome. And there's only so many poor Al or Bud not getting laid or Kelly trying to be a tramp kind of deal. We're doing pretty much a couch origin story. It's not an origin story, but the show's evolved. The episodes are probably around their couch. And the fact that they were able to get three and a half stars out of me on that plot line, that's pretty good. There are a few things that I absolutely loved. That sex joke at the end. Like, Steven, you pointed out, you didn't like how the show is uh, constantly relying on sex jokes. At least they're going hard with it in a very obscure way. That lead with Kelly at the end was pretty damn good. I also really enjoy them giving Bud and Kelly things to do. A lot of shows at this time would completely be focusing on Al all the time, and the fact that they were able to pretty much shove them out of the episode and let Kelly and Bud kind of take the reins again, and they play off of each other very, very well. So I was always happy to see a Bud and Kelly episode. This one really did it for me. Plot definitely could have, you know, kicked up more. And there were so many parts where I thought that the episode would go certain ways. Like I pointed out Kelly's commercial thing sounded like an episode right there. How they solved the couch problem. And I know they don't have enough time, but going to this guy's place to get it could have been way more wacky. I would really like to see what would happen in season three if they had done this. Like, where would they have gone? Yeah, he recently reviewed Dances with Wheezy not too long ago. Yeah, see, what I like about that one is you can throw in the sports as as well as the sex jokes. Kids trying to pretend to be Jefferson and uh, Al. You know, Bud and Kelly had to do that. That was something new. You know, an obsession over the Jeffersons. That's something different. And I think that's why I like that one. Part of the reason why I like that one so much is you have a more well-rounded comedy as opposed to this one step direction that Mary Wichona keeps going is the same jokes, just in different ways. Sometimes you can, you can see the jokes coming a mile away. And the motivations need to be there too. Like I was just thinking about that with, you're right with dances with Wheezy, that episode. And if you haven't listened to that, check that out listeners. It's really good. Me and Steven dropped some awesome television and sports uh, trivia idea, but like that episode has motivations. There's reasons why Al and uh, Jefferson sneak out and go do this stuff and why every other husband does it too because they're stupid men who like sports over their culture. This one, why exactly are they that scared about mom not having her couch i can see if it was al's car because they the whole family understands that al could go crazy and murder them all but peggy why are we really worried about her going back to waker county is the excuse for al and peg to leave what for oh well no that actually is totally fine i'll buy that the actors probably needed to be somewhere else um, that happens all the time with sitcoms, and you write around that kind of stuff. But it's the motivation for why the protagonists of our episodes are doing what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, well, I'm just what I'm saying is I thought they could have come up with something a little bit better than just going to Waker County again. Oh, where they go. Maybe okay. Peg wants to go to a weekend retreat with her husband, and Al doesn't want to go. That would have been a little bit more funny. 
I think, goes out. Oh, or Alice going to a shoe convention. Oh, yes. And we could have had them calling back to all these, like, shoe things. And we all, I love it when Al gets really into his shoe stuff. And Ke- and Peg's like, like, come on, we got to get going while they give out the big toe trophies. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, I was just thinking, be a little bit more creative. And we talked about this at the beginning. Shows usually last about seven years if it's a good run. Usually after season eight, or after season seven, that's when you see a sh- an even sharper decline. When I pointed this out, once a show goes goes into syndication, people miss those newer ones. But the thing is also, most shows peak in years three to five, because their best writers are there and they're in the groove with their characters. After that, then they go into greener pastures elsewhere. You might notice that uh, Michael, Michael Moy, I know he wrote this one, but he also wrote Dances with Wheezy. And both uh, Michael Moy and Ron Levitt wrote the gas station show at a time when it seemed like it was kind of going sputtering along a little bit in that second half of season uh, six, I think it was. It is very strange, and you're right. It's so strange that the writers of this were also working on some of the best ones ever. You mentioned the gas station one, and uh, listeners, if you want to hear me on there, that was the first time I ever guest starred on on this uh, show. So uh, I re-listened to that one last week. Well, thank you. That episode was so great. And this one, I like what you were saying, Stephen. The show tends to kind of drag into season, and most TV shows do. This one, though, has a very big exception. With the exception of the change of Steve to Jefferson, Yeah, we still have our main cast. And that doesn't tend to happen for a lot of television shows. Actual Bundy family stays from day one to the last that's very almost unheard of like usually somebody i'm thinking roseanne i'm thinking scrubs i'm thinking seinfeld there's always like a shift in a pull and when characters go and there's a big noticeable absence and this one they were able to keep the entire bundy family and it's kind of sad that they're not able to keep consistent but we're not done with season eight yet I said I was going, and I'm going. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to just disappear. You'll see me again. Wherever a fat woman shoves a smelly foot (laughs) in front of some poor guy's face, I'll be there. And now, the last word on this episode. Calling in from his two-thirds acre retirement property on Lake Chickamacomico that the government hasn't yet padlocked, Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the creator and executive producer of the Married with Children podcast, Mr. Alex Edwards. Boy, you guys are really lucky that I did this today. Here I am, retired. I'm at the lake, it's freezing. And I'm sick, I have a fever. 98.6 to be exact. If I collapse, somebody call 911, will you? Well, let's talk about Sofa So Good. Kelly lies about reading to kids so some dirtbag can roll in on a Harley. Gunter, his name is. Chris? No, this must be a different Gunter. Drops a cigar on the couch. Why is Bud making a nest on the front porch. Doesn't he know he has a garage he could have went in? No peeking in on what Kelly's actually doing? 
Would it be that big of a deal to just look in the window and see all these kids she's reading to? I, I don't get it. What's with the ultimate trust? So they burn down the Bundy couch. I really don't like this. I don't like the historical significance that the original couch is gone. But more on that later. Peg's on the phone at Wanker County. Get used to that image, guys. Kelly takes a pic of the old couch so they have something to go on when trying to replace it. I would love to see what she would have done with that burned down couch picture if Bud never corrected her. I guess somebody would sell her a pile of ashes or something. Maybe Marcy's Aunt Toonie's ashes. Yeah, I could still do that stuff. She's paying sailors in hell. Murray. Let's go to Murray's house. M-A-R-Y. He mentions the unsinkable Molly Brown before Titanic 1997. I mean, that was an obscure reference then. But now we all think of the chick from Misery when we hear that name. Kelly did something to get the couch. What could it be? The new couch is at the Bundy house. Well, before I get into this, I will get into something else, just so I don't kill the mood of that. I posted a picture yesterday of me sitting on the original Bundy couch before it was burned down. What an honor. It really was a moment in time that I'll never, ever forget. Sitting on that couch, looking around that legendary living room. Man, that was a moment I'll never, ever get back. Okay, so that sounded real dramatic, right? Well, how about this? That still is the same damn couch. I took pictures of it before it burned, and the patterns are exactly the same and ending at exactly the same place on those cushions. Of course. I mean, what did you think they would do? You think they really burnt the couch or anything? I mean, who in the world would think it was a different couch? Or man, what a shame it's not the same one from the great early classic days. It is. Of course it is. But... In the world of married with children, it technically isn't. The same way that Game Ball was really Al's Game Ball and I Who Have Nothing, but it really wasn't because he never really played for Polkai, this couch really is, and in the show, it really isn't a different one. You see how it's backwards? Okay, I'm done confusing you. I give this episode a 3 out of 5. I liked it. That's it. Enjoy the freezing cold. <coughs> I'm still sick. Can't believe I did this. That's Al, folks. Real quick, I just want to add in. I found this site that tracks uh, episode ratings, the TV Nelson ratings, and there's a significant mm-hmm. drop in uh, season eight. And I would just want to see where this particular episode ended up. Yeah, it was a 12.7. A year before, they were doing about a 15. And... This actually hovers around 10 to 9. It really drops off bad. That's not good. From about 10 to 9 in May. And that's when you're trying to put out your best stuff to get your rates for advertisers. So. Oh, just while you're looking at that chart, can you tell us what uh, Dances with Wheezies was? I can look at that one. and Yeah, that was, an 11, that was one of the highest rated shows of that year. Almost a 12. 11.9. Oh, I meant... 13, uh, Take My Wife hat was the highest rated one, season 8. Take My Wife, please. And then Dances with Wheezy. It looks like, no, it's it's one of the highest. Honey, I blew up myself at a 13.7. Oh, and by the way, listeners, what he's reading uh, are Nielsen average ratings. The numbers he's saying are in millions. 
which any show would give their arm to have that level of viewership now. Good, successful TV show. If you look in the 1960s, like with uh, Beverly Hillbillies and uh, Andy Griffith, those shows were really had really high ratings, and they lasted more than 10 seasons, just about all of them, except Andy Griffith. They he quit when he was ahead. He was smart. Mm-hmm. Then they had the rule purge, even though the Beverly Hillbillies was still the number one show, pretty much. It got canceled. Oh, yeah. And- but the thing is, ever since then, it starts to go down. In the 70s and probably the 80s, a good show lasted seven or eight seasons. But television held way more of a a thing in people's lives than it does anymore. And just to give context for what I'm talking about, guys, this episode, we're talking about how it got low. What was it, Stephen? Like 10 or 11? You uh, you mean Sofa? Sofa so good? That was a 12.7, actually. 12.7, and we're referring to that as low. 12.7 million. Yeah. That got three times the amount of viewerships than the series finale of Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones got 3.2 million. I'm just saying, we it's a different world. Yeah, and now, I don't know how many seasons Game of Thrones last, but then again, it was a cable show, not a, a network show. But now, network show, a good run for a network show is usually, nowadays, about five years. Mm-hmm. And Fox is still doing their, um, it's either Fox or NBC, no, it's NBC that does this. Um, it's called The 100. If you hit 100 episodes, no, no, you either get 10 to 100. So if you if they renew you after 10 episodes, then you immediately get 100. That's why there are so many stupid-ass shows out there, because they'll have a really bombing first season because they're trying to get that contract. Then they'll, and they'll get all those uh, those viewers. Then they'll say, all right. We'll renew you for another 80 episodes for over a period of this long. And then the quality starts to drop. Fox kept it pretty good by keeping a every season. And I think the best you could get was what The Simpsons and Married with Children got, a three-season kind of block re- rescheduling. But wasn't guaranteed. When your three seasons were up, are you going to get renewed? Or are you not going to get renewed? So we're going to see how, how Season 8 continues. Next week on the Married with Children podcast, Team Australia will be reviewing Honey, I Blew Up Myself. On Al's 45th birthday, Peggy decides to give him a sexy photo of herself to hang in the shoe store. Instead, the photographer decides to hang a huge blow-up version of that picture on a giant billboard in the mall outside the shoe store. Al cannot tolerate this, so he enlists the help of No Man's counterpart, Fang, feminist against Neanderthal guys, and Marcy is their leader. Anyway, his hopes is that they will destroy the offending image. Meanwhile, Kelly and Bug can't seem to get the right gift for Al. Tyler and I will be back to review episode 17, How Green Was My Apple. The Bundys and the Darcys get into a feud over the property line and we have some guest stars in that one some very familiar ones. Oh yes we do but we're gonna keep that a secret hopefully by then i'll have my new couch but until then uh me and steven are gonna be pouring some more shots in the nudie bar so we gotta tune out right now so have a wonderful day